So I was uh, on the bear hunt with my buddy Billy and, you know, he just kept hammering like, Braxton, what am I doing wrong? Like, how do I kill something with my bow? And I'm like, dude, you're probably not doing a whole lot different than I am. I think my best answer to that truly is just like, well, number one, I love to understand the deer. So that, that comes a lot with scouting, but just knowing deer behavior in general is a big thing. Um, understanding what their next move is. And then number two, sometimes you just got to have that killer in instinct where you say, hey, I'm going to kill this deer and that's all there is to it. I think there's a difference between being cocky and being confident, but when I see a deer and I, I say I'm going to go after this deer, I tell myself, this deer doesn't walk off the mountain. I'm killing the deer. Usually I'd try to sit back a little ways while they're bedded, unless I know it's a slam dunk, which rarely is, but I'd sit back a little ways and then just like that two point, they'll stand up to pee, to stretch, get a little bit of food and then they'll usually bed back down. But then the two point walked next to him and laid down. And so I finally seen him up close and um, was able to range him 41 yards. Like, all right, sweet, it's a waiting game now. So arrow knocked, release on and just held my bow there for, I think I got in on him at 2.45 and I released my arrow at 4.15. Dude, I feel like the majority of mule deer hunting is mental, right? Like any hunting, really. We can all find good deer, we can all find good animals to chase, but to actually like, like you know we were talking earlier, to actually get it done yeah. is just a whole nother grind. When you're, when I'm in a situation like that, you know, on my knees, bow pulled back, I just have to tell myself like, this is not gonna last forever. You can go be loud and move around here in a minute, but just for now, this is what all the grueling hiking, the whole season, this right. is the moment. And it's tough for me, man. I grew up a wrestler. My whole family's wrestlers. So um, if you know anything about wrestling, like- I do, I it is Okay, great. It is the mental sport, man. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, it's all on you. Sometimes it's a lot, but it, it definitely is a sport I believe that every little kid should do, um, at least for a while, to understand what it truly takes to overcome yourself. Hey guys, real quick before we get into this episode, I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, go give us a review on iTunes. Can't stress it enough, it's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howlful Wildlife. Super simple, takes a couple minutes, you can even do the free membership, I don't care, but be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game and go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today we're going to talk to you, Braxton Hamilton, and uh, we're going to pick his brain a little bit, maybe listen to a couple stories, talk about mule deer hunting, and uh, maybe we'll pull out some nuggets. What's going on, Braxton? Hey, man. It's going good. Just uh, recovering from a little bit of a bear hunt. Yeah, I saw that, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, been, it was rough, but it's a good time. I've been wanting to go myself, but, well, I didn't draw a tag here in Arizona for a spring season, but I was going to go out of town and go bear hunting, and then I didn't, you know, how it goes sometimes. Um, Dude, yeah, bear hunting is so much fun. I love it. Yeah, you know, I kind of got away from it a little bit in the last few years. I haven't really gone much. I killed a few bears in my tenure, I think six. But 
I, uh, I haven't been like specifically bear hunting in a long time. I'm going to try to give it a go this fall. Cause we actually, we got some pretty good fall bear hunting here yeah. um, in AZ. So I might, I might do that mainly because I don't have a deer tag and I would normally, I would put some oh, no. effort. I would, yeah, well, no, I mean, I can't complain. I got a deer in January, so I'm done for the year until next January. <laughs> right. So, um, no, dude, I love bear hunting. It's like the closest thing you can get to to deer hunting, um, mule deer hunting in the high country. It's, yeah, it's, in my opinion, it's pretty much the same thing, other than you're just looking for bears instead of racks. Right. It's a, a lot similar of the same tactic. tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same country. Yeah, even their behavior, a lot of the behavior is the same, you know, like we're up on this trip and, you know, we're out there all day in the sun with our spotters out and it's like, man, you can't stop looking because it's just so random. You never know when a big bear or a big buck's going to stand out. So if you're not paying attention, it's going to happen and you're going to be lost. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's kind of a good warm up for deer hunting, honestly. Yeah. I, um, over here during our fall, like there, there's a really good time to go, but it's actually like a miserable, miserable hunt because it's so freaking hot and the mosquitoes mm. and the bugs are just atrocious at that time. Cause it's like right during like the end of tail end of monsoon season oh. and it's just like, you know, they call it bears in the pears because they get into the prickly pears. And um, it's pretty brutal. Now that I think about it, I said I said earlier I was going to try to give it a go. Now, <laughs> about now I know why I haven't gone in a while. I remember the last time I went, I was like, holy shit, this is miserable. Like it's not – the conditions are miserable. Yeah. The, the hunting's actually good, but the conditions are miserable. Yeah, you're second-guessing yourself now. That's funny. Yeah. Hey, you guys live in a completely different world than me, man. I don't know how I would – I don't know how it would go for me over there. Yeah. Where, where are you in Wyoming? I live in Pinedale. Pinedale, Pinedale. So, Pinedale? Yeah, I know the name. Northwestern. Okay, We're yeah. pretty close to Jackson and Alpine yeah, 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 and all yeah, that yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I spend quite a bit of time in Wyoming. I used to go every year for the opener of mule deer, and I would archery hunt mule deer and antelope at the same time. And one of the things I loved about it was, like, if I drew an elk tag, which – I haven't drawn an oak tag there in Jesus long time, like thirteen years, I think. Which might that? be making it a little easier for you guys. Really? I thought they made it. Yeah. Just made it harder for us. <laughs> well, weren't they talking about um, bringing some tag numbers up for general for non-residents? Yes, yeah, but I don't put in for the general. That's why. That's, oh, I got you. Yeah, I I can get a general tag there. I think every three or four years. Um, you should. There's some great general hunting for sure. Well, you know, there is. But the problem is I, I used to hunt the general. And then I hit a certain amount of points because I couldn't go on the general. So I had – and then once I hit a certain amount of points, I was like, oh, I'm going to try to kill for this. Oh, no doubt. And then, you know, point creep and everything else. And, yeah, <laughs> so here yeah. I am. I'm sitting on like 12 or 13 points, I think. And – um Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm trying to get a. I'm trying to get it. I, can, I don't want to say it because 
I'll tell you what unit off air. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't want any, I don't want any more competition. And I don't know that anybody would actually want to just go there, but or have the points to go there. To be honest with you, but yeah, um, that, that's the cool thing about non-residents in Wyoming is you can, yeah, you can rack those points up and get those good units. Yeah, I've been wanting to go hunt this unit, and I got a buddy of mine. Uh, I don't know if you know Doran Larner. I don't think I do. Okay, yeah, he's he's kind of a He's been on my show a couple of times. He's a well-known, not well-known, I should say. He's a, he's a really good elk hunter. He's a good, great caller and stuff. He's done real well for himself over the years in uh, Wyoming and Montana. Um, but, um, you know, him and I have been talking about going hunting together for like six years. And uh, I never seem to draw. So, um, yeah, eventually – We'll go up yeah, there. yeah. For sure. It's like I, now, like I got so many points. I'm kind of keeping it as what as a as a state to go to when I have, you know, a good a really good tag. So, man, I'll tell you what. I say this all the time. Elk hunting is the funnest thing in the world to do mm-hmm. once you do your tags full. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that deer tags full. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm I'm going elk hunting for sure. But we got to get that deer out of the way first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it all depends for me. I'm such a generalist. Like I, I love hunting and everything. I get just as excited about going to shoot coyotes as I do bucks. I don't know. Maybe not. That might be an exaggeration, but I, if I had to, if I had to just hunt one, it would definitely be deer because there's, you know, more opportunity and more places to go. But as an experience, it's kind of hard to beat chasing bugles. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I love chasing bugles. I always bugles. say like, I think people love elk hunting so much because it's like instant gratification. Right. So like you can like get out of your truck and hear a bugle in the dark while you're walking down the main horse trail or whatever. And you're like, Oh sweet man. There's, there's something here. Like you're, you're right. gratified already. So the deer hunting, man, you can, you can go days and just like, Yep. You don't get that instant gratification at all <laughs> until, yeah. Yeah. until the very end. But for sure, I mean that's a, that is for sure the cool thing about elk is being able to hear them, and it just sends shivers down your spine when you hear that. Yeah, Makes for sure. Fun for sure. So, um, yeah. give us a little rundown about yourself, real quick, before we kind of dive down this hole here. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's see, I'm 33. I live here in Pineville. Um, kind of moved around Wyoming a few times in my life, but yeah, I'm pretty much a Wyoming boy. Been hunting for as long as I can remember. My dad did it right with me, I think, you know. He he just kind of hunted everything, whatever season was open, and I always got to go. So we he was never like Mr. Mule Deer. He was never Mr. Elk Chaser either, you know. We just hunted everything we could, and um as a kid that was that was really fun and i think that that's you know that's the way i want to do it with my kids um kind of let them decide what they like what they enjoy so we spent a lot of times in the mountains and um just grew up always seeing huge deer and for whatever reason i just knew that that's what i wanted to do my dad took me on a pack trip with one of his work buddies. I think I was 11, probably. It was right 10 or 11, right before I could hunt. And uh, he killed a really nice deer. And from that, that day on, I knew that's what I wanted to pursue the most. And um, so kind of just 
getting to see deer where I live, you know, in Wyoming, we're, we're really blessed with what we have here. And especially, you know, in the nineties and two thousands, like deer hunting was amazing. There's big bucks everywhere. So I really got to, got to see it. You know, it wasn't the sixties of course, but I got to see it in its heyday and that uh, gave me that addiction, I guess. So throughout high school and college and whatnot, I think I killed one deer uh, during college. My cousin picked me up and we just went and I killed a little two point. But beyond that, I set my mind to it. I said, you know, I want to kill a giant deer and nothing else. Um, so I went nine years before I was able, ever filled a deer tag. I just passed a lot of deer. and Wow. I don't, I, I don't do honestly it. know if that was the best thing to do. <laughs> I, I don't know if do I recommend that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know if I'd recommend that for everybody. You know, my, my good friend Clay Allen always told me like, you know, do you have to actually kill one to learn all these lessons? And, you know, I, I have to kind of disagree with him. Like, yeah, sometimes you do, you know, it took me nine years, but, um, yeah, there, there there's is so many lessons with deer hunting and, there's definitely something to be said about actually taking one to learn some of those lessons. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially when it, when you're talking about bow hunting, I, I think, For sure. and I see this all the time. So uh, when I guide clients here that come from, but let's use elk hunting as an, as an example. When I guide an elk client that comes from the Midwest, who's used to shooting, you know, three deer a year and, but it's never hunted elk, right? They've never hunted elk. They're, they're, they don't understand the differences, but when it comes time to making the shot, they don't fall apart where I have guys that have been hunting out West their whole life. Sometimes they fall apart because they don't have, they haven't been through that cycle, the whole, you know, drawing back and setting a pin on a on a on a patch of fur and and letting the arrow go and and that whole you know just that few moments of time 100%. like if you haven't done it if you haven't been there a lot of yeah. times you know that's not like something you can kind of just i mean you can mimic stuff in practice or whatever and you can get it most of the way there but when you can even pull back on a deer and yeah. look through your peep and it's still not the same, the arrow still has to hit its target. Yep. There's a lot of process with a bow to get that arrow to hit where you want it to. Yeah, I agree. There's a, and, and just, you know, pulling back helps though. Like doing, like waiting for the opportunity to get the full draw. Like those moments are very important. And those translate to okay. success for sure yeah so if you no, are looking doing back that, on it like i wish yeah. i would have just you know taken some opportunities i mean it definitely helped me in a few ways you know i got to keep my tag which kept me out in the field and, and learning stuff and i wasn't really crazy hardcore um like i am now mm -hmm. for quite a while but it it still gave me opportunity to be in the field but um once i started really getting into archery deer hunting i had to relearn a lot of the process. I mean, I'm sure I could find the deer. Mm -hmm. I could get in on them, but um, actually putting one in your backpack. Yeah, no, I could totally see that being a hindrance. It's um, like I said earlier, I, I've, no, I've made a realization that the guys that have been there a lot in the shooting process, 
into, you know, go into autopilot and, and, and execute the way they're supposed to execute. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys don't always make the best hunters. Like they don't, you know, like, like I said, I, I knew guys that would, uh, were really good at finding stuff, you know, like way better than most people. So that might, I don't know if that was your situation or not, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. We actually, I was uh, on the bear hunt with my buddy Billy and, you know, he just kept hammering like, Braxton, what am I doing wrong? Like, how do I kill something with my bow? Mm. And I'm like, dude, you're probably not doing a whole lot different than I am. He's like, yeah, man, I can find them. I can, I can find a good buck every year. It's just, I can usually get in pretty close, but actually releasing an arrow into a deer, I just absolutely cannot figure out. Mm. And um, for me, I think my best answer to that truly is just like, well, number one, I love to understand the deer. So that, that comes a lot with scouting, but just knowing deer behavior in general is a big thing. Um, understanding what their next move is. And then number two, sometimes you just got to have that killer in- instinct where you say, Hey, I'm going to kill this deer. And that's all there is to it. Right. Um, I truly, you know, I think there's a difference between being cocky and being confident, but when I see a deer and I, I say, I'm going to go after this deer, I tell myself, this deer doesn't walk off the mountain. I'm killing the deer. I see the deer. I can kill it. All there is yeah. to it. Now, yeah. obviously there's, there's times that doesn't no, necessarily I, work out. I, I believe in that also. And I think, I think it was that podcast I just did with Robbie. He mentioned somebody who was it, a big name guy too, like Chuck Adams or something that to get rid of like the jitters or whatever. He was like, ah, oh, I'm going to go after this deer. I might get him. I might not, you know, like that thing, like that kind of mentality. And I was like, I don't know if I did. I don't really know if I subscribe to that. Like yeah. in me, in my head, I feel like I got to say that guy's dead no matter yep. what, especially if I'm drawing back or whatever, if I'm releasing an arrow, I gotta, I gotta, in my head, whether it's true or not, I gotta say I'm the, the world's greatest archer. I got to like convince myself that what I'm doing is the best, you know, because anytime I start letting doubt come in, that's when I, that's when I fail. To kill the deer, you have to be better than the deer, right? And that deer lives on the mountain. He knows every square inch of it. Yep. Their, their senses are a thousand times better than ours. So I have to tell myself that that deer's not walking off. I'm better than the deer. I'm better than any hunter in this area. I'm going to kill this deer. And I think I heard Robbie say that too, you know, like he doesn't like to, um, even though he probably is, you know, better than the other hunters. Right. Um, he, he would prefer to be able to be in a spot where he can make the moves and not have to play off of other people. And I think we all would prefer that as well, but most of the time that's just not the reality. So for me, again, difference between being cocky and confident when I step on the mountain, I'm like, I don't care who's here. I, I will win today. And I feel like that's a huge, huge difference. Um, something I've definitely had to learn, set a second guess in myself because I've, I let a really, really big typical go once because I second guess myself. Yeah, I don't. I'm very rarely will let a, an opportunity. I'm definitely not one of those guys that goes, "Oh, you see that buck over there? That's a guy I want. That's, that's a buck I want, and I'm just gonna watch him. I'm just gonna watch him. Wait for my time. Like I'm." I'm not that patient <laughs> and yeah. I definitely am I'm not one of these guys can sit there and watch a deer for two or three days 
waiting for my best opportunity because I just, I don't know. For me, I'm like, an opportunity is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take a swing no matter Dude, what. And I don't know if so that's smart. a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I've, I'm sure I've lost many deer because of that. Like, I didn't wait for a better opportunity. But for me, I'm like... Hell, I live, I, I live my season seven days at a time, you know, sometimes five days at a time. Like, unless I'm here in Arizona and I know I got the season. And even that, like, I can't be like, hey, babe, I'm going to be hunting for the next 30, 30 days or whatever. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. work that way. I can't. I spend a lot of time in a field, but it's broken up like into small sections, you know. Well, and you might you might even be in the field and you might not get that next opportunity the next morning, you know. Right. You, you know? who knows? Who knows if that you, you have no be idea. There. Exactly. Yeah, I that think that's so smart, dude. Yeah. I think it's so smart. I have definitely seen people do that too, you know, like, oh, tomorrow, you know, maybe the weather will be better, maybe this will be better, the deer be in a different stand of timber or whatever. And I'm like, man, if there's any play here, let's mm-hmm. let's play it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's definitely my that's definitely my philosophy. For sure. And it, it might not always be the smartest thing to do, but it's what you have at the moment. And yeah. So far for me it's been working. So Well good. Yeah, it's worked for me <laughs> over the years too. I don't shoot a lot of giant bucks, but I uh yeah. I was going back to what you were you were saying earlier that how you how you waited so many years like on on day five of a six day hunt I'm like uh, four not necessarily four keys but I'll say four keys start looking for no doubt yeah. I got I got an itchy trigger finger for sure All right so, but anyway let's uh I'd like to hear the story of that big ass buck you shot in twenty one yeah was, it was yeah five by four right. Yeah, he's a five by four. With That's a cool. Yeah, yeah. He had some eye guards that kind of kicked off the back. They're they're kind of hard to see unless you're holding the deer. I guess or is a pretty cool deer. That was a crazy story, man. Honestly, I, I really haven't said much about that, other than I guess what I put on Instagram. But it was a probably the biggest learning experience I've ever had in my hunting career. But I guess to start the start it off where it begins, my hunting partner story. He went into an area, big area, clear back in 2019 and found a deer that in his mind was like, that's a good frame to deer, but could use some age and some time and didn't think much more of it. Right. So a year later, he went back into that area again, solo and found a big giant typical, which he ended up killing that year. And then, um, also seen this deer again and he uh he never really got bigger his antler configuration kind of changed but it sparked his memory you know okay this deer's still here still looks like a buck that can be big someday so that was on our brain and um 2021 so the way story and i hunt he'll be first shooter one year and then i'll be up the next year so we focus on each other and we just team hunt and um man i I do hunt solo when, when I have to, but, uh, I, I definitely prefer, solo. yeah, I hate it too. I hate it. I, yeah. I would definitely prefer to have somebody else there. Um, I enjoy people. I enjoy having Same. somebody there to get me through the hard times. Um, yeah. Same here. There's like yeah. the camaraderie, the talking, balancing ideas off of people, the whole, yeah. Hunting by yourself yeah. kind of sucks. 
Yeah, for sure. And it takes a special partner too. And in, in my experience, like you can't just go home with anybody, but to have somebody that thinks selfless mm-hmm. for one, thinks a lot like you and willing to do anything. It's been awesome. I, like I said, every, it seems like every year I go at least one trip solo and it's good for me, but it's definitely tougher. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, this 2021 year I was up, up to bat and story had to, for scouting season, he was gone. He had to go do some fires. He works for the BLM and, uh, he had to go on fire patrol in Montana. So I did all the scouting pretty much except for the last week of August by myself. And I just could not find a good deer. So I saved this area, you know, where he'd been watching this deer for kind of the end when he came back from fire season and we go in there, spend a whole weekend and we saw like two, two points. I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. There's gotta be something in here. So we go back again towards the end of the week and uh, we we made a plan to split up. I'd go into another area, and he went into that same area. And, um, I get a text from him on my inReach and says, hey, I found him. He's yours. You know, you're up next. And so meet up with him, see the pictures, and big backs in line in his back. His fronts are kind of goofy shape, but they're still good. Just big, boxy buck. So it's pretty excited going into that. We showed up the day before archery opened and uh, got there in the dark and art the morning of September 1st. Um, same thing, man, we sit down and all we're seeing is those couple of two points and just like, Oh my gosh, is this how the season's going to be? And uh, I think it was almost nine o'clock and he finally showed up and he was right below us. I mean, wide open should have seen him. Don't have any idea what, you know, why we didn't see him, but likely is probably just bedded there. I, I find a lot of times big deer will feed all night. And then those first twilight hours, they're actually just bedded already. And then right. they get, they get up at nine o'clock and feed a little bit towards what I consider their first bed. So that's what we found. Um, to get into the tactic side of this hunt, what worked to get this deer killed and you know, where I killed him. This was the other question my friend Billy asked me. He's like, you know, do you go into an area? And I think Robbie touched on this the other day in your podcast as well. Do you go into an area specifically to hunt deer for archery because of the way the area is? Or do you find a buck and then try to kill him with archery equipment? Mm. And and for me, I find a buck because you never know how any scenario is going to be. You don't know where that deer is going to be in the basin or in the hillside the next day. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I find the deer and I, I, I play my cards as they lay. So this particular drainage, man, if I, if you saw a picture of it, you'd be like, what in the world are you doing? Archery hunting deer in there. (laughs) It was, it was not easy. Bunch of scrub pine, just thick trees. So yeah, he goes towards his first bed. It was 9 a.m. And I uh, I prefer to kill him as an ambush style. I know a lot of archers are like, oh, wait till they're bed. And uh, oh, me. I would, yeah, I would say that's probably my Especially if I got me. a guy, especially if I'm hunting with a partner, no. Oh, for sure. You got somebody sitting watching. It's all a different story, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think when bucks are bedded, it's just their senses are so insane. You know, 
they've been laying there for hours or whatever it is. They know every little squirrel that's ran across the forest, all Uh the noises. Then you start sneaking in on them. They know what's up. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, my preferred method would be to catch a buck moving from an area or from bed to bed. But, um, where this deer was, he went to his first bed and I'll never pretty much never go after a deer in their first bed for two reasons. Reason number one, uh, the thermals are not steady yet. So you can think you're playing the wind, but you're just not until that day start till that sun starts moving. You know what I mean? Especially mountain country. I'm sure it's a little different for you guys down there, but, Mm. um, sometimes, yeah, you gotta play thermals regardless. So, and then the other reason just, I know that they're going to move beds again once that sun starts moving. So, so what I usually do is sit and watch a deer all day until I feel like it's right. Story and I were in the spotter, literally somebody's eye was in the spotter all day, watching bits of fur, a little bit of tines. And, uh, sure enough, he stands, I think it was like 1030 or something. He stood up and moved to his second bed and he actually bedded a couple different times, but, um, Every time he bedded through the trees, we could see like that bright orange fur. The sun was hitting his fur. So I knew that was definitely not somewhere I wanted to go in after him because I figured he's going to get hot and move. So I think it was 1230 when he finally stood up and fed for about an hour. And as he fed, he moved up the hill towards darker trees. And I knew, okay, when he beds this time, it's probably go time. Okay, my thermals are right. Um, it's later in the day, which is usually what I find the time the deer is going to spend the most time in a bed. Do you agree with that? Kind of that yeah. midday bed. They're they're there for quite a while. Especially if there's a lot of shade. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Yeah. That that time of year, it's it's crazy how hot it can be September first. But um, yeah. so he started feeding up, and uh, he had a little like a spike two point with him. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to see him through the timber. It was so thick, but we were across the Canyon. Sometimes we'd completely lose sight of him and, you know, wonder, did he already bed? You know, is this over? And then you'd catch the two point walk through, and then he'd walk through behind or whatever. So yeah, just really grueling. But, um, eventually we catch him again and boomy beds and, he bed next to a really old patch of timber, so dark shade. So I knew that he was going to be there for a while. He wasn't going to have the sun moving and beating down on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was um, pretty close to this little rock slide. So I figured if I could use that rock slide as a landmark and try to sneak through it somehow, <laughs> it might be in bow range. So that was what I did. I uh, swing around the rock slide. It was pretty exposed, but when I popped over the rock slide and glassed down the hill, I could see him, but he bedded next to a tree that was so big, it completely covered his neck to nose. So I couldn't even see his antlers, like eyes, everything was covered up. Okay. Yeah, it was was really, really cool. Perfect scenario, really. So I, I cruised through that rock slide, which took quite a while. And, um got to the edge of the timber and I only went about 10 yards in the timber and 
just really, you know, really slowing down at this point, using my binos. And I catch the two point walking around. Mm. And honestly, like, I would love to kind of sit, usually I'd try to sit back a little ways while they're bedded, unless I know it's a slam dunk, which rarely is, but I'd sit back a little ways. And then just like that two point, they'll stand up to pee, to stretch, get a little bit of food, and then they'll usually bed back down. Mm-hmm. But then the two point walked next to him and laid down. And so I finally seen him up close and um, was able to range him 41 yards. Like, all right, sweet. It's a waiting game now. So arrow knocked, release on, and just held my bow there for, um, I think I got in on him at 245 and I released my arrow at 415. So yeah. I was, I was on my knees for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's tough. But, um, that's getting tougher and tougher for me to do. I find myself forcing shit now because when I'm in situations like that, because my body just can't sit. St- I'm just sitting here talking to you, and I'm I'm watching myself on the screen, just moving around every two seconds. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no but, doubt. I'm, I'm finding out too that I've got like shoulder problems and like my yeah. hips aren't right. Yeah. It's like, man, as I'm getting older, it's getting worse too. Yeah, yeah, you it, know? Doesn't, it doesn't get any better. I could tell you that. You're, I'm pretty sure you're quite a bit younger than I am. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. good. I'm excited to look forward to <laughs> Yeah, you got a lot to look forward to, bud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like two yeah. years ago, yeah. I was in that same situation. I had a freaking awesome booze buck that I was, that I just, man, my legs were falling asleep and I was, my back was starting to kill me. And I was just, oh my God, I just got to move a little bit. I just got to move a little bit. And I finally got caught moving by one of the other deer and freaking screwed up all my shit. But, yeah. Well, that's a good point. You know, um, yeah, dude, I feel like the majority of mule deer hunting is mental, right? Like any hunting really. Yeah. We can all find good deer. We can all find good animals to chase, but to actually like, like, you know, we were talking earlier to actually get it done yeah, is just a whole nother grind. Like yep. sitting there for whatever it was, hour, 45 minutes on your knees in a rock slide yeah i know guys that are carrying uh, knee pads now i might start doing that <laughs> oh I, I always have knee pads oh that's awesome i i, I before i started wearing sicka pants or sicka in general those have the knee pads in them i used to get those like franklin volleyball knee pads mm-hmm. and i would keep them around my ankles you know just normal hunting walking around whatever yeah, and tight booty when, shorts too, or yep, exactly. Okay. And then uh when I go on a stalk, I just pull my pant leg up, pull the knee pad up to my knee and drop the pant leg back down and off I went. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, because I actually freaking jacked my knees up for like two years. I gave myself like bad patella tendonitis because of crawling around on my knees and like uh in Arizona there's a lot of pre uh, or a lot of decomposed granite, like it's, it's not really dirt, you know, it's just like little rocks and it just wore the, I mean, I probably took a couple of years off my knees on doing that. I was actually, I was hunting with Dwayne Adams. He's a, he's a buddy of mine. I don't know if you ever heard that name before. He's, he's a very well-known deer hunter here in Arizona and kind of the guy that pioneered putting big binos on a tripod. 
But anyways, oh, okay. I, he's one of my mentors. I was hunting with him some years ago, and man, after that trip, I was like, "Fuck this! I'm wearing knee pads." I don't, <laughs> and not to mention, they kind of doubled up as like a little bit of shin protection too, because it's like what we call them shin daggers over here. So yeah. like when you're hiking through, and you know it protects your shin from getting stabbed i was gonna say i bet you get a lot of cactus in your legs yeah well i i've i've learned to avoid them really good i'm really good at avoiding them now but through the through the years no yeah Yeah, the other day i i got one that stuck to the tip of my boot and then as Uh i stepped yep my boot stabbed it into my achilles oh yeah i couldn't believe how bad that hurt like I was that, limping for like 20 minutes. <laughs> that, that happens a lot with the, the cactus over here. We call it jumping choya. It doesn't actually jump, but if you step on the roots, it drops pods. Oh. Um, or if you brush next to it, the pods drop. That's why they call it jumping. But it, it it's their uh, thorns on it are heat sensitive, like a like a porcupine almost. So like if it goes in, it, it like it's barbed. Oh wow! Yeah. It's that freaking sounds, bitch to get. It's horrible. It's absolute. There, it's a freaking devil. Sounds terrible. Devil plant. It's a devil plant. But yeah. you'll you'll get it on the side of your shoe and you'll kick it right into your calf or something. And while you're walking, it's the freaking worst. Oh man, that's insane. So, yeah, no. So so when you're when I'm in a situation like that, you know, on my knees, bow pulled back, I just have to tell myself like this is not going to last forever. Yep. You can you can go be loud and move around here in a minute but just for now this is what all the grueling hiking the whole season this right. is the moment and it's tough for me man i grew up a wrestler my whole family's wrestlers so um if you know anything about wrestling like i do I it wrestle. is okay great it is the mental sport man mm-hmm. that's it i mean it's all on you sometimes it's a lot but it, it definitely is a sport i believe that every little kid should do um, at least for a while to understand what it truly takes to overcome yourself. Yep. So, so I think that definitely helped, helped me. Um, and I'm still so mentally weak. It's ridiculous, but, uh, Oh, we all are. I mean, yeah. if you compare <laughs> us to, to, you know, men, men in the early 1800s and, you know, oh or early 1900s, even to today, I mean, how just, compare yourself to your dad <laughs> you know it's like yeah you know it's, it's insane where we're progressively getting softer and softer as the years go by it's uh it's quite sickening i've no doubt always saying no that doubt. to my wife i'm like god our kids are so friggin' soft it drives me nuts yeah there's like, yeah you know, there's zero mental fort fortitude there <laughs> yeah 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 it's you know and that's that's another thing about you know, just hunting deer in general that brings me out of my comfort zone. I'm like, I, I need this. <laughs> yeah, My life's too easy and this is tough. So I think that's part of the pull for it too. For sure. All right. So anyway, I took you off the off track here. Uh, 40, couple, what is it? 41 yards you said from the, from the 41 yards, 41 yards. So, you know, after so long, finally the deer stands. And again, I told you he's behind this huge tree. Mm-hmm. He stands, I have, I pull back and draw as he's standing. So I always try to do that too. You know, the noise that he makes getting up, hopefully he can't hear me pull back. Right. Is my, is my thought at least. Um, and the movement too is like less, you know. Yeah. Absorb yep. it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and then I had a buddy too that he waited two hours on a big deer. You know, usually a deer stands, turns and scratches his butt and, you know, stretches his legs. This deer stood up and just took off, just started walking. He didn't have his bow pulled back. It was just I've, like, no. I've, had that, I've had that a couple of times. Terrible. It is. So, so I pull back. I have a bush right in front of his bridles, but like I had a brisket. Mm-hmm. So in between me and him, right? So the bush is just. I knew I needed to arc my arrow over this bush, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this for however long it was, two hours. Like, okay, I'm good. He's going to stand. It's going to be perfect. So he stands. Perfect lung and heart is right at the top of that bush. I'm like, all right, cool. This is going to be sweet. It's going to arc right over and just dump in. I release the arrow and he takes off and I see the arrow hit the tree. And I don't know, just the explosion of the moment. I see the arrow hit the tree and I'm like, dude, I freaking shot over this deer. And they're, they're gone. I reach in my backpack, turn my radio on. Story's like, no, I turned my radio on. I was like, dude, I missed him. I think I shot over him. I don't know how. And he, he gets on the radio. He's like, no, no, there's blood everywhere. I seen him run through the trees. You're good. You got him. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, dude. Walk up to my arrow and all that's on it. You know, I'm sure you've had this moment. All that's on it is meat and oh, fur. Yeah. And I just, my, my heart sank. I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Had yeah. a complete pass through and all it is is meat and fur. Yeah, across so, the back strap. Yeah. So I leave the arrow in the tree, walk back to where I was knelt down. I get back on my knees and I put my 40-yard pin right on that knock and it hit exactly where I put the arrow. Okay. So I'm telling story. I'm like, dude, yeah, he's got to be dead, but my arrow doesn't look good. Like something's wrong. I don't understand what's going on. Like that should have been a heart shot. And uh, he goes, dude, I just watched the film because he was videoing it. And he could just see like a little triangle through the trees. He's like, that deer ducked. And sure enough, that deer ducked my arrow. He dropped probably eight inches by the time the arrow got to him. And I hit high. Yeah. So we started tracking. Uh, again, I released at 4.15. We're just following specks of blood and, and tracks. We made it. I turned my Onyx on and tracked myself. We followed him for 2.4 miles before dark, and he was still moving downhill. He never once stopped to bed. Um, as a matter of fact, when he came out of the timber, story said he watched him just slam into a ditch down at the bottom of the mountain. And he thought he was laying there dead Wow! because he never saw him get out of the ditch, but he, he just snuck away. So he slammed into the ditch and that was the only time he was on the ground. <laughs> Every, everything else he was going downhill. So we said, okay, well it's dark. We're following specks of blood as it is. We'll t- pick this up in the morning. And it rained like you would not believe. Oh, of course. I mean, just dumped. So tracks i mean everything was gone that was one of the hardest moments i've ever had i mean i've definitely lost animals but um to lose something you know that my buddy had been watching for this is the third year something that he had all the time into and just gave to me essentially to have it go down like that that was really hard to deal with so we we made the choice to 
move on to another area and just get out of that area and give him some time to either die or heal up. So I left my bow at the truck and we went into another area. So I had a few days back at work to really sit and think about what my next move was, you know, and of course you're like, you have all the thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you go back and look for him or do you just say, Oh, he's dead. And you punch your tag and quit hunting. Do you say, Oh, he's alive. And you go hunt another deer, you know, where do you go from there? And, um, that was definitely a moment that was really, really hard to, to decide to do. Um, story couldn't make it back the next weekend. So I knew I was going to go look for this deer solo. And I just said, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to find out who I am as a person, who I am as a hunter and, um, just give it my best, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether I find him or not, it's a good opportunity for me to grow. So I went back in there this time. I went way around, um, miles around just so I could see the whole mountain essentially. And, um, hope that I can see crows or a black bear or something, or maybe even see him walking around limping yeah. or something, you know? And so I'm sitting on the hill. This would be, September 9th. So this was nine days after I shot him. Okay. And sitting on this hill and I'm about falling asleep in my spot and scope. And I hear some voices behind me. I turn around and there's a guide with his elk hunter. Oh, wow. Tying their, tying their horses up. They walk up to me and they're like, well, I've never seen somebody here before. I'm like, oh yeah, how's it going? <laughs> you could tell they weren't too happy. And, uh, the guide was like, so, so what are you looking for? Deer or elk? And I was like, well, I got tagged for both, you know? And like, yeah. I grew like up that. just like hating outfitters, man. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, keeping information from this guy. He's like, oh, you know, I got tagged for both. And I think he knew he's like, okay, so how big a deer are you looking for? Yeah. I was like, well, I'm looking for the biggest deer on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, that one might already be dead. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we got to camp a few days ago and set up our wall tents and there's a dead deer in our camp. Oh, shit. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, big old deer in our camps laying there dead. So, so I guess you're going to keep on looking. I was like scrambling for my phone, like pulling out scouting video of him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like Showing my phone. I'm like, dude, is this the deer? And he's like, yep, that's him. I'm like, are you freaking serious? He's like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, dude, I shot that deer on the first. Like, where's your camp at? Can I have him? And like, yeah. just freaking yeah. out, dude. And, and the guy, like, he's like, well, the kid who found him is back at camp. He's super sick. This morning he said he was going to get on his horse and go to the doctor. So his plan was to take the deer in and get it tagged by the game of fish. I'm like, holy crap, has he left yet? He's like, I don't know. So he told me where the camp was, and I literally strapped my backpack on and took off and running. <laughs> like two miles later, I'm in their camp just huffing and puffing and sweating. I'm like, where's the guy at? Yeah. Run into the camp cook, and she's like, oh, he's in that tent. Like rip open the tent. I'm like, hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was so cool, man. He wouldn't even let me finish my sentence, and he's just like, dude, you shot that deer? Yeah. He's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're still looking for it. Let's go get your buck. And, uh, walked me to the other side of the camp and it was, uh, not a pretty scene right. know, for only being nine days. 
it was uh, about as rotten as it, I was. I couldn't believe it. So, so he died. Pretty, bummer, he but, died pretty quickly after you shot him. Then, yeah. So the uh, the outfitter showed up. I think they said September sixth, and he was already just as rotten as could be then. So they thought they maybe saw a hole in his upper shoulder, but they weren't sure if that was just from bugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But from the sounds of it, they agreed that it probably died the night I shot it and probably a high shoulder shot. So, you know, that back strap area, I'm guessing I shoot a NAP Spitfire Max broadhead. Right. Um, so it has a very big um, wound channel. So I'm guessing I caught some sort of vein or something that made him bleed a lot. I mean, he... When we were tracking him, we did find blood pretty much every step. It wasn't, I mean, I've definitely followed worse blood trails. So yeah, and just some internal bleeding finished him off. That's rough, but at least you got him. I mean, it sucks. It sucks that the meat went to waste and, you know, the circumstances, but shit, it made us have a cool story. My, uh, yeah, no doubt. My cousin Anthony had a situation was it last year or the year, but year before with an elk and, um, but difference is he shot him in the lungs, but got crappy penetration. I can't, I keep telling him freaking, he's got to stop shooting rage on elk. <laughs> yeah. But, um, especially since he's, you know, he's got a short draw, he's six, uh, 27 inch draw, I think, or 27 and a half. And, uh, oh, man. You know, he had to lower the poundages because his shoulders are jacked up. So I'm like, yeah, did you need to <laughs> you need to think yeah. up this setup? Think about this setup a little bit and shoot a kind of contact type deal. But um, anyway, long story short, that elk ended up dying on a water hole, and a guy found it, and he was able to recover it like three days later or something like that. Not nine days, but three days later. But fortunately, the meat was bad and whatever. But he was able to get that elk. It was pretty cool you know how it ended up but you know you never know so he hit this thing in the lungs yeah broadside holy cow single lung wow and elk go really long i mean a deer too but elk go really long ways it was three miles away from where he shot it wow that's insane yeah i wouldn't expect that yeah freaking nuts i mean either was like bubble blood and everything wow it is tough 40 yard shot too it wasn't like it was a long shot yeah that's that's crazy i've never heard you know a single lung with an arrow definitely some rifle stories but yeah i did it in argentina i shot yeah i shot a stag i thought I made an amazing shot, but I hit him right in that pocket, right behind the leg. And he was quartering slightly away from me at 22 yards. I snuck up on this 22 yards and I let him have it. And I was like, cool, done deal, right? Didn't find him. I unfortunately and fortunately got stuck in Argentina for 21 days during COVID. Oh man! Uh, when we got there, when we landed there, it was right when everything started shutting down. <laughs> it was right when COVID hit. Um, but That's because terrible. I was there for so long, 
We found him alive like 10 days later. Oh man, you got to stay in and, and I got to, I, I got to shoot him again. Yeah. I, I hunted the whole time I was there because I had nothing else to do. I was stuck in. Holy smokes. Hunting so was he like, was he crazy wounded or? He had, it was like festered and bugs and larvae and all kinds of shit were eaten out of it. And I was like, wow. that hole is exactly where I would have aimed. Like, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know. Broadhead failure. I have no clue. No clue. Yeah. Like, Maybe you hit a bone or something. I miss. Did I you guess. find the arrow? I did not. No. Wild. Wild. Yeah. Every <laughs> archer has a story like that. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have, I have more than my share of those stories, but that's the, that's the one that sticks out. Actually last year it happened to me. I shot a the very last day. I, I, I settled on a, on a buck cause I just kept screwing shit up in South Dakota I had minor frostbite. I was miserable, cold. My shoulders were bothering me. And I said, screw it. I'm just going to go shoot this buck. He's probably like 148, five inch deer. And um, I did everything right. Everything right. Get in there. And I shot him at 15 yards head on. And then mm -hmm. like right at, right when I shot, I don't know. I must have. I don't know if it was me or the way he reacted. I couldn't tell. I mean, we were videoing it, but I, it's hard to tell in the video. And I think I caught him like between because the arrow buried all the way friggin' in him. Mm. And uh, between the shoulder and the and the brisket, maybe I don't know. Like you said, tracking him, blood crazy. I never had a bend. I never even had a bend over to look for blood. Just walked. Tracked him back into this canyon, and um, I hunted him till till it got dark. I got to a spot. I watched him bed down, and I was making a move on him to try to get another arrow in him. And some does came by. He got up and he went over, went after the does, and went over the ridge, following does with an arrow in him. What? And, I was, and, I never, <laughs> and then I only had the next morning to hunt, and we couldn't find him. I never found Isn't that crazy? Yeah. We were just we were just talking about how weak we are, right? And yeah. That guy's still chasing does with an arrow in it. Yeah. Still <laughs> wants to get laid with an arrow in him. <laughs> Dude, can't blame him, but holy cow, man. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, crazy. It's insane. It really is. It's insane. So, well, man, I want to have you on again. I know we had some, uh, we had some, some snafus here with the, with technology yeah. failing on us a couple of times, but I know time's running a little short. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you back on. We'll do a, a, you know, question and answer typical podcast, get some tactics out of you. Cool. And, uh, but I appreciate you coming For on. Sure. And I enjoyed the story. It was, it's a hell of a buck, man. And cool story to go with it. So, no, thanks for having me do that. I'm blessed. It's always fun to sit and chat about deer. Yeah. Anytime. Absolutely. Well, uh, where can our listeners find out more about you or follow along with your adventures? Pretty much Instagram. It's Brax, B-R-A-X underscore Hamilton. I am a private account, but just send me a message or hit the follow button and yeah. uh, I'll see if I can get to you guys. So Sweet. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, thanks, John. I had a blast. 
Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next show.